Give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. I want you to know that wasn't just a transition so I could go out and get my robe on and come out here and preach. Because I just feel the presence of God in this place. Don't you? I feel the presence of God in this place. The Bible says that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. God is present, and he's always present when we gather, but he's present in all that he is when we praise him. When we forget about our problems and our issues and our difficulties and the things that we are focused on, and we lift it up to him. New seasons, El Cajon, come on. Come on. When we lift it up to him, what happens? When we take our eyes off this stuff and us and focus it where? Jesus, what happens? We forget about our stuff. Amen? And we focus on him. Because, Father, we praise you. And you are worthy today. You are so good to us. Every minute of every moment, of every waking hour and sleeping hour, you are always faithful. And God, just as you reminded me this morning, that as I was rubbing my eyes and going to the bathroom and getting ready to get ready, Lord, you reminded me that you don't slumber, you don't sleep, you never grow weary. And you tell us a promise that they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And we thank you, God, today that that is a promise to we, your people. So, Lord, I pray that as you fill the house, open your word to us today. Speak to us, O God. May you bring those three things that are important for us to be transformed by you. The power to change, the power to challenge, and the power, Lord, to not be the same. The power of conviction. Lord, help us to take you seriously as we speak to you today from your word. Hide this servant behind the cross, God, that all that is said to your people and those still coming in would be what you want to say, God, because we want to follow you, Lord, with all of our heart. It's your word. Your word is the only truth when everything else, all the voices, all the news, all the stuff we're getting daily, your word is the only truth. We praise you and we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and all God's people said amen. Amen. I wanted to tell you that and it's a, it's a joy to be able to preach today. Our Bishop Vines is, is in another church uh, up in um, Davis, uh, California, looking into this church to become a New Seasons church. So we praise God that another church will be added to the New Seasons family. So he's there today. And uh, so God has given me the assignment to preach. And by the way, all of us have an assignment because look at the scripture and would you say it with me? Every part of scripture is what? God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes. Come on, read it with me. Training, training us to live God's way through the word we are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. Say this, I have an assignment from God. Turn to your neighbor and say with your neighbor, I have an assignment from God. And then ask yourself, Lord, what is that assignment for me today? 
You're asking God, what is that assignment for you today? And I'm glad you asked because he's going to speak to you today from his precious and holy word. I've been reading a book that I recently um, got a hold of, and we have copies of it, and, and I want you to know that it's free to you to take after the service today. It's called, Am I Really a Christian? It's a great title. I've been reading it. Brother Tracy's been reading it, and it is an excellent book. If you have a friend that is not sure that they are a Christian, or if you're not sure that you truly are a Christian, what is a Christian today? I'm going to explain that and talk about that in this message today a little bit. I trust that you have some message notes. There's, there's two pages, and so, uh, Patricia, thank you for that. But it's, it's, it's a great title, Am I Really a Christian? And I want to say to you, beloved, that I had a different message that I was going to bring to you this morning, but I was reading my devotional and, and Bible reading on Wednesday morning and reading out of this text we're going to look at in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and some verses in chapter 2. And God just really spoke to me and said, this is the, this is the message I want you to bring to my people because it's all about the gospel. It's all about, you, you know the gospel, okay? What is the gospel? If you were to explain it to somebody, what would you say the gospel is? The good news of Jesus Christ. That Jesus what? He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. And three days later, he what? He rose from the dead. Now, don't say it like, oh, I've heard it before and so what? Come on. Let's say it like this is life. He what? He died on the cross for our sins. He rose from the dead. Three days later, he what? Or, excuse me. He was put in the tomb. And three days later, thank you, Deacon Todd. You're looking at me uh, checking me out. And that's good. That is the gospel. But guess what, beloved? That is what we need, the Bible says, to put our trust in to have salvation in, in God. Amen? We take that initial step, and I trust that all of you in this room today, in this, this uh, uh, a worship center, has made that decision. But guess what? Once you make that decision, the gospel is, watch me, you keep on going in the gospel. You keep on going in the gospel. It's not just a one-time step, and then you're done. The Bible says that once we enter into the gospel, guess what? It's a daily process, daily life. Amen? Come on, New Seasons. And that's what this message is all about, the difference the gospel makes. What effect should the gospel have on your behavior, on your words? on your attitudes, on your actions, how we treat others, what others say about us. Well, let's look at the text. I, I trust you brought your Bible with you this morning, and we find it in First Thessalonians. We're going to read a few verses before this slide, so go back, Deacon Paul, if you would. First Thessalonians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have one, I trust, in the, in the pew there, and open it up to First Thessalonians chapter 1, or just listen. Because he says this, Paul, Silvinus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's clear he's writing to Christians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, we give thanks always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, that your election by God 
For our gospel, listen, did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. The Apostle Paul continues to write. He says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, and, and having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in where they live, Macedonia and Achaia, who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth. That means a megaphone, <laughs> a proclamation, has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. These are great verses here because what does Paul do? He commends the Christians in this city, this Thessalonian church, and he says, we are constantly... You are, you are constantly, rather, a source of joy to us because whenever these missionaries prayed for the Thessalonians, they did what? They gave thanks to God. Why? Because rather than being a source of grief, these Christians were a source of gratitude. When Paul thought about their lives, he said, I thank God for that person. I thank God for this church. I want to say to you, when Bishop Vines brings your name before the Lord and he prays, Every day he prays regularly for you, and I do as well. May it be said of you that there's gratitude and thanks and joy because of the example and the way that you're living. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't pray for you if you're off and, and, and you've got trouble and you're letting the issues and, and you're not exactly on the right path the Lord wants you to be on. But you see, Paul was grateful for these Thessalonians because of the example that they set because the, of the difference the gospel made in their lives. And he, he spells this, he, he explains this in the text. So I want you to see, for the difference of the gospel to make, uh, for, for the gospel rather to make a difference in your life, here's three points I have in this message. The first one is understand Christ's resources. Turn to your neighbor and say, understand Christ's resources. Understand, Julius the resources that you have in Jesus Christ. Because the first one, notice he says, is the work of faith. He says, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your what? Work of faith, then labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus. Let's look at the work of faith. Because, beloved, this is so important. Because if you have faith in Christ, listen, it's going to make a difference. Amen? If you have faith in Christ, it's going to make a difference. If not, then you deny everything about faith. Because people say, well, I have faith. I have faith in this. I have faith in that. I have faith in this person. I have faith that this will turn out. I have faith that these things will, will work and so on. But the gospel is not centered in just any faith. The gospel faith is faith in the highest deity, the very God of who he is, Jesus Christ, of whom he we sang in praise and worship today. Great are you, Lord. Because Jesus 
in his word said these words. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Read it with me. 2 Corinthians 5.17. When someone becomes a Christian, what? He becomes a brand new person inside. He is not any he is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. Now maybe you know that verse. The text says, notice, your work of faith. It doesn't just say your faith, does it? It says your work of faith. Meaning the work produced by faith in Christ. James 2.17, you can see it on the screen, says, faith without works is what kind of faith? Is no faith. It, it's dead faith, Julius. It's dead faith. It's a bunch of words, but there's no life uh, evidence behind it. And if you don't have the kind of faith that is producing in you the kind of change that God brings, and it's not evident by the way that you live, then it's not real faith. And what I want you to see this morning from this text is trust in the gospel brings about a change of course. Look at this. You were living this way. You were living by the, 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 the pagan um, influence of the world. You were living in the world. You were going like the rest of the world in pagan ways, away from God, apart from Christ. You, you were controlled by who? You weren't controlled by Jesus. You were controlled by the devil. And not only that, but your, your, your passions and, and our desires and so on was given over to our sinful self. And the Bible says we were headed for destruction. We were headed for not, not heaven, not the place where, where God is in eternity, but we were headed for hell. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest. That's the way it is when you're without Christ. I like to say my life B.C. before Christ. But then when God gets a hold of you and you place your faith in Christ, what do you do? You do a turnabout. You do a, I got to do it this way. You do a turnaround, and you face who? You go in the way of the Spirit. You go in the way of God's Word. You go in the way of the words of Christ. You have a heart for God. Why? Because you are now a new person. Amen? Your life is not the same. A new life, notice, has begun. It's not complete. None of us are going to be complete in Christ till we see Jesus. But the new life has begun. And beloved, the world needs to see. Listen, the world needs to see. This community needs to see. People in your sphere and circle of influence and my circle of influence needs to see that this life in Christ is a real deal. And it makes a difference. And that's the kind of faith that Paul is talking about. If God has given you real faith, and by the way, faith, the Bible says, comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Then there will be evidence of that faith. The next resource is what? Not only does he say the work of faith, but he says back a couple of slides, Deacon Paul. He says the labor of love. He says, uh, he says we give thanks because you are showing, you, you are laboring in love. Now, what is love? What is love? If I were to ask you, let, let's, let's take it out of the context of the Bible, and let's just talk about what the world says love is. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. You ever done that? I wonder if this person that I like, if you're not married, you know, you have a girlfriend, 
she loves me, she loves me, she loves me. Okay, or, or, or love is all about how you feel. You can fall in love or you fall out of love. You know that, right? Well, love is conditional when, th- when we're talking the world. But that's not love where God is concerned. In fact, there are four Greek words for love, and among the ancient Greeks, the last word that you and I are familiar with that speaks of love in the Bible way, the word agape uh, did not have the definition that the Apostle Paul gave it in the Bible. You had, for example, you had phileo, which is love for your neighbor, neighborly love. You have eros, which is sexual love. You have philatia, which is self-love. You're, you're absorbed, you're, you're all into yourself. Don't we see that today? Come on, saints. And then you have agape and understood before it came along in Christ, agape just meant love for everyone. But what Paul did in speaking of Jesus Christ is he he raised the bar. He says, agape, listen, this word for love, agape, means God's love, means a sacrificial action of love. Because what do we see? And I hope that you have this verse memorized. Because this is one of, uh, if I want to put it, the most. When I talk to people that don't have a church background, have a little bit of religion, and I mentioned John 3.16. Oh, yeah, John 3.16. For God so what? Love. The word agape is right there. God so loved the world that what did he do? How did he show his action? He gave his only son. That's the kind of love that Paul's talking about. He isn't talking about friendship with the Thessalonians or self-absorption. He means the love of God that moves you to action. Beloved, listen, when the love of God is in your life, surging through your heart, it moves you to love. Amen? He moves you to treat everyone with kindness and respect. I don't care if somebody tries to cut you off on the freeway. And let's be honest, that's me, right? But if God's love is surging through our life, then we are committed because of the Lord working in our life, his love to treat everyone with kindness, everyone with respect, everyone with compassion. God's love moves us to make Jesus the highest love in your life. Listen, and we've recently been doing this, and I praise God for it here at El Cajon, New Seasons. When you come out and help and serve and help feed and hug on 21 homeless people at Hot Meals, that's, guess what? That's a labor of love. When you show up to love people at the apartments and serving them hot dogs and putting a full uh, grocery bag in their arms, guess what? That's a labor of love. Beloved, listen, when you say to a hurting coworker that is struggling with something and they know that you're a Christian and you say, well, let me pray for you, regardless of what other, other uh, uh, people in your, in your uh, place of work may think, but you say, let me pray for you, guess what? That's a labor of love. When you come to church, not for yourself, but, but saying, God, how can I serve someone today? How can I be a blessing to someone today? Lord, use, use me to be your hands and, and your heart today. Oh, Lord, guess what? That's what? A labor of love. Now, often we see that, okay, 
he or she serving in what we can see. Amen? He and she serving what's visible. When the service started today, you saw the worship team up here. And guess what? I want to say to you, when they serve you, when they practice, when they get up before you probably get up to come to church, and they come in at 7.15 in the morning, some 7.25, and they join the team to go over these songs, that is a labor of love. Who are they doing it for? Jesus. When we do it for Jesus to affect others, that is a labor of love. But when we put on Facebook or we criticize or we belittle or we, or we give our opinion that's not of a, a, a godly nature, guess what? To others, that's not a labor of love. That's an action of self. That's an action of our selfishness. And Paul says your labor of love is having an impact. But another resource, notice he says, is in this uh, verse, verse 3, is the patience of hope. Now let's look at those two words, patience and hope. What do you see in them? When you look at they have patience and they have hope, I see perseverance. I see if it, listen, if it gets a little rough, if, I did, if, if God didn't come through like I expected him to, if someone in the church didn't treat me right, guess what? I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit on God. I'm not going to quit on his church. Beloved, I cannot tell you. You know what? Let me say it this way. Over the three years I've been here at New Seasons Church of El Cajon now, if everyone that I've seen come in and come to church, if everyone that, that, that has left were still here, this church would be full. This, there wouldn't be an empty pew in the place. There wouldn't be an empty spot in the place. You've stayed. You've stayed in there, but I've seen people come in. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, yeah. It's, it's good. Oh, yeah. I'm committing. And guess what? They get wrapped up in the cares of the world. They get friends that don't love Jesus, and they're pulled away. They, they give in to their addictions instead of the power of Christ. And guess what? They slip away. They slip away. And I want to say to you, beloved, that the patience of hope, look at this, the quality of character which does not allow, read it with me, does not allow one to what? To surrender to circumstances or succumb, what? To trial. That is patience. That, that is, that is what, what these Christians were known for. Galatians 2.20 says that the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, and patience. Uh, an evidence of God working in your life and my life. A sure, steadfast determination. Even if it's not better now, guess what? It'll get better. Are you feeling that it's not good right now? Are you feeling that it could be better? Well, I had a good friend, a pastor friend of mine, that would always say, the best days are always ahead for those in Christ Jesus. That's a good, I remember he'd say that, our pastor, Pastor Al Ransom, every Sunday, the best days are always ahead 
for those in Christ Jesus. But God, I'm not living in them best days. God, I'm having struggles. God, my finances. God, I don't have a home. God, I don't, you know, I, I don't have employment. God, what's going on? The best days are always ahead for those in Christ Jesus. So what do we got to do? Are we going to believe our circumstances or believe God? Come on. The best days. Look at this. I, I found this, or I have this on my wall in my office. It says what? It says, next slide. It says, perseverance is the effort only fully releases its reward after a person what? Refuses to quit. Hope goes with patience. That's why Paul put it together. And if you live in hope, you're going to have patience. You're going to wait on God till it happens. Now, as we continue in this text, it's a great text, not only understand Christ's resources, but listen, uphold Christ's um, reputation. Uphold Christ's reputation. Because notice what Paul says in the next verses in this first chapter. He says what? You know what kind of men we were among you. Are you a person that people know you to be the kind of person that honors Christ? Do people know you as a person that honors Jesus Christ? Paul said, Thessalonians, you know what kind of men were, we were among you. And because of the example we live, notice he says, you became followers of, of, of who? Of us and of the Lord. What, what a commendation to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Say to your kids, follow me as I follow Jesus. Say to your friends, follow me as I follow Jesus. Don't follow Facebook. Don't follow social media. Don't follow what the others are saying, but follow me because I'm following Jesus. Can you be that kind of example? That's a huge challenge. That's a huge challenge. It's getting quiet in here, isn't it? Because it's convicting me. When God is the only one that sees you, If someone were to say, can I walk with you? Can I, can I shadow you in, in your day? What would they see? What would it be like from the time that you meet them at 8 o'clock in the morning till the time that they go home at 6 p.m.? They've been with you all day. What would they see? Would they see a consistent testimony to Christ? That convicts me, beloved. That should convict us. But Paul said, you became followers of us and of the Lord. Notice what else he said. He said the next verse, so that you became examples to who? Not just the little few, but to all. All that was in their sphere of influence. And he mentions it, Macedonia and Achaia, these, these districts, these, these, these cities, if you will. And then he said, your faith toward God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. And has gone out, by the way, is in the perfect, active, indicative, perfect tense means it started, their faith started, and it hasn't stopped. It's been consistent. The, the display of these Christians' faith kept on going and making an impact. And, and notice how he says it, how it was evident. 
The next slide says you did what? You turned to God from what, beloved? From idols. Well, Pastor Mike, we don't, I, I don't have little figurines in my house. I don't have a little Kachina doll that's sitting on my mantle, and I say ah, bah, 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 to you before I come to church. I, I don't have little trinkets. Ooh, do we have idols today? Hold it up, Deacon. Where's mine? I don't even have mine on me. The latest iPhone, come on. And I got to line up and get it. The latest Android. The one that grips all people. The one that you just have to have. The one that's faster than a speeding bullet. The one that, that beam me up, Scotty. What other idols? I used to have a new car when I was unmarried. And I would wash that car. I, I, I went and I lived in Arizona and I stayed with my grandfather throughout the summer. And I'd wash that car every day. Spit shine. My grandfather came out one day and he said, Mike, he says, you know, he says, you're going to wash that car every day. But he says, once you get a little scratch on it, a little bump on it, he says, it's not going to be new. He says, you can still wash it. But he said, look at all the time you're putting into that washing car, sweating over it. He says, it's just a car. You know what? This is not me. Ask my wife. Three weeks Three weeks in the dust of the summer, I haven't washed my car. <laughs> now, that's okay. You wash your car. But anything that we put before Christ is what? An idol. People, things, our stuff, whatever it is. So let me ask you this important question. Now, be honest with God. What have you turned to God from? What have you removed from your life that does not speak of Christ? What, what is keeping you from living the life in God's promises and joy and victory and peace? What is it? Is it alcohol? Is it drugs? Is it the friends you run with? Is it the choices you make? You see, anything, anything, we've got to get rid of the distractions, amen? Because we're in a fight, beloved. Listen, church, we're in a fight. We're in a warfare today. This is serious business. Do you know that Jesus could come at any moment before it reaches 930 this morning? Our Lord Jesus could come back. And you and I will face him. <laughs> and our pastor has said often, when we see Jesus, you don't want to hear, you did not live a faithful life. You lazy servant. I want to hear well done, good, and faithful servant. And it's serious business. So they turn to God from idols, but notice they turn to God from idols to what? Next slide. To serve the true and living God. The gospel created the ambition to live for God's kingdom, not themselves. And then Paul also commends them. He says, and you waited for his son from heaven. Now, 
We're going to see Jesus someday. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. But you know what? In the daily routine of life and the responsibilities that you and I have, we forget that until we come to church and the preacher reminds us <laughs> that we're going to see Jesus someday. And look at this verse. Therefore, read it with me. We, cl- we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be what? Well-pleasing to him. Hang on with me, because watch, it gets better. For we must all appear, who's the we? If you have faith in Jesus Christ, don't be ashamed. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, you you have true faith and you are a follower of Christ, raise your hand. Don't be shy. Don't be timid. Every hand should go up. And if you don't, then I'm going to ask you to make a decision at the end of this message. But if you have faith in Jesus Christ, then we're the we, beloved. We're the we. All of us will appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing, therefore, Paul says, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, beloved, we don't talk about this much. Oh, yeah, we're going to heaven. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. But, church, when we do, we're going to stand before him. And he's going to review our lives. And if you know Jesus, guess what? You're going to be at this come to Jesus meeting. <laughs> and and just, just, to, just to ease your anxiety, it's not a judgment for condemnation. Because that's been taken care of at the cross. Our Lord said when he, before he died, it is finished. Our sin, past, present, and future has been paid for by the amazing and glorious sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, this will be a serious judgment. That's why Paul said, knowing the terror, and by the way, I could look up the Greek word and say this is what terror means, but it means terror. (laughs) The terror of the Lord. He says, because of that, we persuade men. But Paul just doesn't mean persuade in words. He means in lifestyle. He means, let me put it this way. You either sing the song of Jesus, your words be true in how you live, or you turn people off from Jesus. You know, Bishop said last week, I don't want to be the talk in the barbershop. I don't want to be the talk in the beauty parlor. And I know in conversations with Our Bishop Vines, he has told me that he works hard to have a good name in the community. Everyone that I've talked to about Bishop Vines, from ministers to church members to those that don't go to church, they've never said anything negative about Bishop Vines. And let me ask you this morning, because this is important to me. Is Pastor Mike in the barbershop? I was the other day for the haircut. Is Pastor Mike in the barbershop? Am I in the talk in the beauty parlor? To those you talk to, if you mention that I'm the campus pastor here at El Cajon, how's my reputation? Because, beloved, I take that seriously. A good reputation for the honor of my Lord Jesus Christ is what I want to live for. And I want to ask you, is that your ambition? Is that what you're living for? to exalt the Lord and how people know you and see you and hear you. Because look at Romans 13. Romans 13 says, we can't afford to waste a minute. 
must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity, indulgence, and sleeping around, and dissipation, in bickering, and grabbing everything uh, in sight. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't, don't loiter and linger, waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourselves in Christ and be up and about it. Meaning, we need to get going and we need to stay um, consistent in showing that the gospel makes a difference in our life. Amen? How many of you, there's a show on TV. I don't know. I think it's going to come around another season. The Preachers of L.A. You ever seen that, that show, The Preachers of L.A.? The Preachers of L.A. I was looking at an article and uh, gospel singer Kirk Franklin, who declared months ago the fans would never see him on Preachers of L.A., stated during a recent radio interview that he was disappointed in the reality show. And while a DJ suggested that the program has turned people away from God, not brought them closer to God. In fact, in a trivia segment of his radio program called This or That, comedian D.L. Hewley, gave his take of Preachers L.A., which was renewed earlier this year for a second season, and he said this, quote, I, live in, I lived in L.A. all my life, and to me, I thought the purpose of that show was to drag non-believers, people who don't have access to God and don't have relationship with him, that it would be so attractive that it would draw them to him, but Hewley said, I think it's done the opposite. Last week, I watched the Republican National Convention. This week, I watched the Democratic National Convention. And in both conventions, I noticed, and if you saw them, you noticed too, at the end of the, of the speech, most, um, most uh, um, speakers ended their message by saying what? God bless America. Beloved, we want God to bless America. We want God to bless our country. But I can't help but think, and this is my heart to you today, I can't but help but think, we want God's blessing on our own terms. I mean, God bless America, but we will disregard your laws. God bless America, but we will kick you out of our schools. God bless America, but we will ban Christian chaplains in the military from, from ending their prayer in Jesus' name. God bless America, but we will declare that marriage is between two women and two men when you say, God, that marriage is between a man and a woman. The Bible says in Genesis 1.27 that God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. God bless America, but we confuse our children by telling schools that they must enforce transgender bathroom use. But God, we want you to bless America. Beloved, listen, we know or should know that God's blessing is tied to God, to doing God's will. Amen? God's blessing is tied to obeying what the Lord says. God's blessing is tied to rightly representing Jesus Christ and his word. Look at this proverb. God has been just pounding my mind and heart in this proverb. Proverbs 14.34 says what? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You know what the word reproach means? It means disgrace. 
It means disappointment. It means disillusion. Righteousness, and I thought of this, righteousness exalts a family, but sin is a reproach to those family members. Righteousness exalts a church, but sin is a reproach to that fellowship. And I have been in my journey of being used to the Lord and serving him. I've been in churches where righteousness, yes, exalts that church. But when sin is in the camp, it is a reproach to that fellowship. And it's a disservice to Christ in the community. Because the community knows that church doesn't have a good reputation. And then look at this. Righteousness exalts a life. But sin is the downfall of that life. See, 1 Thessalonians 2.4 in our text, Paul says what? He says, he says, and I just want to speak on this for a moment. He says, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but what? But God who tests the hearts. The key phrase there is God tests the hearts. Beloved, God knows if you're the real deal. <laughs> Is your reputation one of a real Christian? That's my challenge to me as it is to you today. Look at this. Pastor Rick Warren said this. The Christian life isn't about imitation. I like this. It's a matter of what? Inhabitation. Christ in me. Because think about it, beloved. How does the world think of a Christian? What a Christian is? Well, if you're not a Muslim, if you're not a Catholic, if you're not a Buddhist, if you're not an atheist, then you're a Christian. you got to be, if you're not those, then you've got to be a Christian. I, in my, my church life, have met people that said, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. My grandpa and my, my grandma, they went to church. Well, did you ever put you? No, no, they just went to church, and I'm a Christian. Well, guess what? If you lived in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. What makes us a Christian? You know, and, and I don't have time for it, but it, check it out. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. It says that they were first called Christians in Antioch. Why? And the pagans named these followers of Christ Christians as a derogatory term because they didn't follow the ways of the world. And the word Christian, it's Christ is in it, but the I-A-N at the end of the word, listen, means belonging to the party of. I love that. Belonging to the party of. Christians were people of Jesus' party. <laughs> Listen, beloved, I'm not going to tell you what political party I am, but first of all, I'm a Christian. Then I am a, well, I'll tell you, a Republican. But I'm a Christian. Amen? That's who I am. And that's what, that's what the real deal is. People need to know who are you in Christ. Because, beloved, the world is watching. You say that you're a Christian, I say I'm a Christian, then we must live up to that. So, to wrap this up, 1 Thessalonians 
I want to show you this verse. He says, you yourselves are witnesses, and so is God, that we were devout and honest, and what does it say? And faultless toward all of you believers. And you know that we treated each each of you as a father treats his own children. So not only do we see in this text to have the reputation, uphold the reputation of Christ, but carry yourself with Christian responsibility. Carry yourself with Christian responsibility. Because he says, you are witnesses, and God is also how we treated you. He mentions three ways, devout. Paul said Paul wanted to make sure that his character was of in, in a way that, that when he talked about the gospel, that he carried himself in a godly manner. He... The, the word devout means, means that, that his motives were pure. He was morally clean. Then he talks about being honest. The word honest is the word righteous or dikaios, meaning righteous. It can mean acting in a just manner, acting in a way that does not injure anyone, making sure that you treat people right. You know, there's a lot of people that aren't in church today. You know why? Because they were injured by the church. They were hurt by the church. They were disappointed. Some Christian or Christians treated them in an ungodly way. And they're not in church today. This week, Brother Tracy and I were talking about that. And he said when he talks to people at work, he finds out that there are some that that aren't in church because they were injured. And the reason I, I have heard and I know that New Seasons Church was started by our Bishop Vines is, is for the reason it's not going to happen, he said, on my watch. It's not going to happen at New Seasons Church. May it never be said of us, New Seasons Church, that we injure people. Amen? May it never be said of us, New Seasons Church, that we turn someone away and wound them, but that we heal them. Because we'll always be a spiritual hospital. Amen? Come on, say it with me. We will always be a spiritual hospital. And we must be careful that our conduct does not injure people. And then the word faultless, that doesn't mean sinless. It doesn't mean that we don't have issues. You know, I know I have issues. But I have responsibility to conduct myself with others in a way that they cannot find fault. That's what it means. You can't, you can't find fault. People can't find fault in you. You won't find me getting in trouble with the law. You won't, you won't find me causing a ruckus. You won't, you won't find me in the newspaper being known as a troublemaker. Or Pastor Mike beat on his wife and, and the cops came and the article is Pastor Mike of New Seasons Church, oh God forbid, El Cajon, that, that his wife had to arrest him because, because she hit him and he was drunk. You're not going to find that. By the grace of God, and pray for me, it'll never happen. Because I want to live my life in a way that when people look at me, they don't see a perfect person, but they see a person that loves Jesus and wants to live for him. Get you out of here soon, but you know at the New Seasons Cookout Outreach, I want to say this, at Peach Avenue Apartments, 
and I, I, I just want to say this in praise to God. The manager has received nothing but positive feedback from New Seasons Church when we're there. Yes, yes. In fact, she loves that we come each month, and we do the cookout each month. And you're welcome to come. The next one is in two weeks, on the 12th of August, Friday night. But, but, but she said, we don't even, you don't even have to ask anymore. You, you have a carte blanche to come over to the PTAB apartments and serve the people. <laughs> Beloved, as a New Seasons member, we don't expect anything less. Praise God. And you see, beloved, that's who we are. When we're out there, we represent Jesus Christ. And we represent, by the way, New Seasons Church. I have a ring that says New Seasons Church with a cross on it. Some people think it's a, it's a um, uh, Super Bowl ring. And I said, do I look like I'd be in the Super Bowl? I'd get crushed after the first hike. <laughs> and so I have the opportunity to tell them what this ring is about. But my life verse is 2 Corinthians 5, that I be pleasing to God. When I put this ring on, and I'm not exactly pleasing to God, it convicts. Because my reputation is at stake for Jesus. That's just not among the ministers that's just not among Bishop Vines and the deacons or the elders. It's for all of us new seasons. That when we're out there, we're representing our almighty God. Amen? So listen, listen. That's my call to you today. And this has been God's message to me this week. Let it be said of you and me, now there, there is a true Christian. Now there is a true follower of Jesus Christ. I've watched this young man, and he really knows Jesus. I've watched these young ladies, and they really know Jesus. I watched this brother at, at work, and he really knows Jesus. May it be said of us, beloved, come on, that when people see us, they say, now there is a true Christian. Amen? Would you bow your heads, please? Oh, God. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to bring your word this morning. Thank you, God, for the reminder that your word brings us back to the reality of what it means. What it means to put our faith and trust in the gospel. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't have that absolute assurance that they have salvation in you, that they've never really trusted. Maybe they've made just a, a intellectual agreement. Yes, Jesus is. Yes, Jesus, he's Savior. Yes, he died on the cross for me. But they haven't taken ownership and said, Jesus, not only do I believe with my mind, but I trust you with my heart. If that's you this morning, I want to ask you, just raise up your hand. Just raise up your hand. God is here to save you. God is here to make it clear to you that you are indeed a person that is saved by the grace of God. Or maybe you are a Christian, but you realize because of this message, you're not really living the way that God wants you to live. 
you're letting other things or people or influence or, or, or peer pressure, whatever it is, crowd out the most important person in your life. And you know what? It's good. It's okay, Christian, to restore our relationship to Christ. And I want to ask you today that if you need to restore that relationship to Christ, now's the opportunity to say, Jesus, restore my heart. Restore my life. There's things in my life that you know do not honor you. And so, Lord, I, I, I say from this day forward, I want to follow you. I want to be the real deal. If that's you this morning, just slip up your hand. Just slip up your hand. Or you're not a member of, of, of New Seasons Church, and we're not a perfect church by any means. We have issues from the pulpit to the back door, but guess what? We love helping you follow Jesus with serious and faithful devotion. And we want to help you. And you're not a member of New Season Church. We want to encourage you to do that. You want to make that decision today. Just slip up your hand. Slip up your hand. You don't have to be a member of New Seasons Church to be saved, but everybody needs a place to belong, beloved. Everybody needs a place to find encouragement from other Christians because we can't do this by ourselves. And so I just want to invite you to become a member of New Seasons Church. We have a plan that helps you grow in that decision to become a member, and we have counselors that will talk with you afterwards and pray with you. So if you want to make that decision, just slip up your hand. Father, thank you today. Thank you today that you never stop speaking to us. Thank you today in this world of so much influence away from Christ that you call us back to our first love, that you call us back to be faithful to you, and we can't do it in our own power. We recognize that, God. We know that it's in Christ, in Christ, that we have the strength to live for you. So help us to do that. We pray this in the mighty name and the glory of our Savior, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Come on, give him praise. It's offering time.